Okay. I think we're going. We're good to go. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Compound Interesting. This is Emil, and in today's video, I'm doing my very first interview. So a very special guest with me today, Mr. Warren Redlick. Uh, Warren is a huge Tesla bull. So I, I, uh, <laughs> I came across one of your videos, Warren, and I think it had it was just a thumbnail. I was like, oh, this, this can't be serious. This can't be for real. It's like $100,000 per share. So that's how I stumbled across you. Uh, I think it was uh, 200,000, but you know, you got to take these with a grain of salt. Yeah, 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 of course. But yeah, I, first of all, I clicked on it. I was like, okay, I'm this, this is too ridiculous. I've, I've got to debunk this or whatever. And then I watched the video and you laid out the numbers and yeah, it makes sense when I, I like the way you'd like to give really simplified models. Well, not extremely simplified, but those little, those little models that you give like back the napkin calculations, I think they're really, really useful. So maybe before we get going into Tesla, I just wanted to ask you, I saw another video of yours. I thought it was really, really cool where you were talking about the boring company and your link and you were, um, you were looking into setting up a fund for the two of them, for people to invest in. Uh, obviously I, I signed up cause I think that that would be like one of the best investment opportunities, uh, probably of the of the decade if you could get into either of those companies right now like probably hundreds of hundred a hundred x thousand x potentially if you could get into them a, a single digit market cap over the next decade or two or yeah thousand x you think more than a thousand x yeah it would be in the trillions for sure so how's that going and maybe if you could lay out the investment well, thesis for either of them well let me just say it this way um what happened was I've been an investor in Tesla since 2016, buying more stock over time. I almost bought more today. I did um, buy a bit more today, yeah. So at a certain point, I'm going to say six months ago, could have been eight months ago, I started thinking about investing in other Elon Musk companies, particularly looking at SpaceX, looking at a boring company and Neuralink. Yeah. Turns out it's very hard to buy stock in those companies. It I'd is. Say so. It is possible to buy stock at SpaceX, but it's hard. And when I say stock, to invest in SpaceX through some method. Yeah. Um, you can't really buy stock in, um, sorry, let me just get this off my screen so it doesn't distract me. You can't really buy stock in Boring Company or Newer Link that I found yet. Okay. So we have this world called venture capital that is probably more visible in the United States than it is elsewhere. And it's not that visible to most Americans either, mm. but it's, it's somewhat visible to some Americans and it's particularly visible to certain wealthy Americans to the middle class. They have almost no knowledge that this exists. The poor have yeah. almost no knowledge this exists. So at first I was looking, well, how would I invest in this through a fund? And I didn't really find something that I thought was attractive a typical venture capital fund, just uh, this is going to lead into your question, essentially. Yeah, yeah. The typical venture capital venture. fund is you have some venture capital management company that starts up a fund. Are you yeah, good? Go yeah, I'm just going to turn down these lights a bit. I think they're a bit strong. You have this venture capital company that starts up a fund and they raise, let's say, $200 million. And they, they get investors basically to commit, not necessarily uh, invest, but to commit to a total of $200 million over the run of the fund. Um, and that venture capital company is then going to go out and look at 100 plus small startup companies 
and make bets. Basically, they're they're going to invest in ten or twenty of them or thirty of them. Yeah. The idea being that you know half of them are going to fail, another forty percent are going to you know scrape by, and maybe ten percent will be big winners. And what you're really betting on is that the guys that are running the fund are good at doing this, right? You don't know. Well, like if I was running a fund like that, you would have no idea if I was any good at picking startup companies. Um, I don't think it's clear that they are good at it. I don't think it's, I think the particular challenge is, I don't believe I can know whether the people running this fund are good at it. And, and even if they are good at it, how good are they? Are they going for what I, what I would want to invest in? All those kind of questions. So um I think what's possible, I'm not going to speak directly about what I'm doing because I yeah. think that might yeah, run no. against some federal regulation. So what I'm going sure. to say is I think there's a, there's a path where instead of betting on, on this, these venture capital people picking stocks to invest in for you, a venture capital fund that explicitly says we're investing in this one company. This is the yeah. one company we're going to invest in. When you, when you invest in, we're going to try to invest in, I should say, because it's hard to get in some of these companies, right? It's hard to get in. Just a really good example is there was a SpaceX funding round that just happened maybe a month or two ago. And I believe there were 69 investors and there were like 300 that tried to invest and only 69 investors got in. And I'm talking about when I say investors, when I say invest, because a lot of people want to invest in SpaceX and yeah. there's this process of how they design the, 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 the capital raise. And they're like, we want to raise this much money. And if you, you want to raise, what they raised, they raised $850 billion, $850 million. Was it? I think they raised $850 million. So if you have 80, 80, 85 investors who want to invest $10 million each, well, it works, right? But mm. if you have 300 investors who want to invest $10 million each, you got to say no to somebody somehow. So, uh, and, and it turns out that it's, in some contexts, it's difficult to do a fund with more than 99 investors. In other situations, it's difficult to do a fund with more than 249. And I don't know specifically what happened with SpaceX in that particular case, but... So I just have this view that instead of, and, and when you hire one of these venture capital companies to, you know, when you pay into one of these funds, what you're effectively doing is you're paying this company to manage your investment yeah. and you're paying them 2% a year. And then at the end of the fund, at some point towards the end, they get 20% of the, of the gain, right? They don't get 20% of the total, they get 20% of the gain. So if the right, total yeah. fund was 200 million and the fund closes at a, at a billion, well, there's $800 million in gain and they're taking home 160 million. Not bad. Right? Yeah. Now you got a good gain out of it. You can't complain too much, but <laughs> so that's, so you're paying them a lot of money to manage those investments for you. And, and they're taking a lot of the up, they're taking a fee and they're taking the upside. So I just thought, well, you don't have any reason to trust me to pick these companies, but we, but we all know we want to, there's this one company here. I'm going to say SpaceX and SpaceX is not going to be in the fund that I'm right. working on. Sure. Let's say I said, hey, Emil, right? Yeah. Hey, Emil, I'm putting together a fund. We're going to invest in SpaceX. We're only going to invest in SpaceX. The way, the way I would mm. structure it is you're a Tesla investor. I'm a Tesla investor. Here's what you're going to do. Instead of what, the way these funds, sorry, I should say this other thing. When these funds typically start up, uh, you invest a fairly small amount of money to get the fund started. And then at a certain point, there's a deal. The fund has an investment ready to go in a company. 
and they call you up and say, okay, now we need a million dollars from you out of your, you're, you're committed to 10 million. We need your first million now for this deal we've got. It's called a capital call. So the startup guy, the guy who's running the company now has to wait for you to go and get your money from your investors. And hopefully they follow through and actually follow, you know, honor their commitment, right? So I have this different idea. I'm raising a fund. It's $20 million, let's say. I want your million dollars now. I don't want yeah. to tell you later we have a deal. I got 20 investors, a million dollars each. I'm making up these numbers, right? But 20, yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 investors, a million dollars each. You put your money in right away. And the first thing I do is I put the money in Tesla stock. Yeah. Okay. And we hold the money in Tesla stock while I go chase down this one company. I, I, go, I go hunt down Elon Musk and Gwyn Shotwell and whoever else with SpaceX and say, hey, I've got this fund of retail Tesla investors. We want to invest in SpaceX. Let us in. Let us do a direct investment. Let us in on the next funding round. Beg, plead, you know, whatever it takes to try to get in. Worst comes to worst, we go, let's say, five years. We didn't get an investment. You get your money back. Whatever Tesla stock did, you got a little bit less than that because there were some expenses. Um, I don't take any carried interest on the Tesla stock because I didn't do anything special to get that. I get a small management fee, much smaller than 2% a year. So you lose something off what you would have gained on Tesla, but you do... It's, yeah, it's worst not, case scenario. It's not like you stuck your money in cash. And, and so that's, that's the big idea. Yeah. The big idea is number one, I tell you up front what company it's going to be. Number two, the expenses are a lot lower. The carried interest is half. The, the management fees are a quarter of what the other guys charge, maybe less yeah. than a quarter what the other guys charge. Um, and like there's this moment, like let's say I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about investing in SpaceX or Beyond Meat. I'm picking the company Beyond. I don't know if you know the company Beyond yeah, Meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This alternative meat company. Yeah. All of a sudden I have the choice. I have the opportunity to invest in both of them at the same time. Half my investors want me to invest in SpaceX. Half my investors want me to invest in Beyond Meat. Now I have to make a decision that half my investors are going to be unhappy. If we've agreed up front, this is the company we're going for, you can't be unhappy when I choose to invest in that company instead of some other company that wasn't on the list. Yeah. Right? So, so it's, you, it's you a, wouldn't be able to sw split between both companies in this fund? The idea, the idea of this fund just is we a single. one company. Yeah. So we can talk about boring company and Neuralink in a minute. I just don't want to talk okay, sure. about it in the context of what yeah, venture yeah. capital funds are like. Sure. Um, you'll probably be able to connect those dots, but I want to I keep a little <laughs> bit of distance for legal reasons. Yeah, of course. So, so, I mean, I think you've got the basic idea there. So let's, let's step away from that and let's talk about Elon Musk's companies, SpaceX, Boring Company, and Neuralink. Yeah. So my view is if you were going to, try to do this kind of investing. You're going to, if you're looking for when SpaceX, Boring Company, or Neuralink is going to do a funding round, when they're going to try to raise money. If you were an investor and you want to get in on a thousand X opportunity, right? Some big, big opportunity. I'm not saying it's guaranteed, but just something that has the potential to grow really big. With SpaceX, you're too late. Yeah. SpaceX is already worth 75 billion. The next funding round is probably going to be worth 100 billion. I thought this funding round would be worth 100 billion. So it's going to be worth $100 million in the next funding round. So I think SpaceX has a lot of upside from that, but I don't think they have a thousand X. I don't think they're going to $100 trillion, you know. Uh, I don't say it's impossible, but I think that's well, a bit of a stretch. Once, once they get to have a colony on Mars, potentially, but yeah. Well, let's talk about that really quick. So, sure. so Starlink, I think, could be huge. I think Starlink could be a $5 trillion company. Um, 
Starlink alone could be worth $5 trillion. That's a conversation we could have. You probably saw my video where I talked about it. I'm not sure if you saw yeah. that. I just did a, a four minute video where I ran some numbers on Starlink really quick as part of a longer yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like those little ones. So, so Starlink alone could be worth $5 trillion, but what's the rest of SpaceX worth? I mean, what's the demand for launching stuff? That there, besides Starlink, SpaceX is a launch company and effectively it's a Mars colonization company. Yeah. So I don't know how much demand there is for launch services. Even if Starship gets down the cost of, uh, before SpaceX, the cost of launching a kilogram into low Earth orbit was around $10,000. Falcon 9 is down around 2,000. Internal cost for SpaceX could be close to $1,000 a kilogram. I wouldn't be surprised. Starship's going to get it down to $10 a kilogram. Jesus. It's literally, you know, a a hundred X reduction in the cost of launching to orbit. So I think there's a question, how much demand will there be to launch stuff into orbit when you lower the cost that much? And I don't know the answer to that. Maybe Jeff Bezos says the heck with blue origin. I'm just going to start paying Elon Musk to launch my O'Neill colonies up there. I don't know. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe there's a huge demand for it. I'm not so sure there is. Mm. And then I don't know what this, the, the money story is on Mars. Like, I, I'm very excited about the Mars idea of starting up a colony. I think it's great. I just don't know where the profit is in that story. I'm not yeah, saying, it, isn't, I'm not saying it isn't there. I'm just saying I don't see it. I see yeah. the Starlink profit. So, so when I look at SpaceX, I'm like, okay, I could spend, like, I had the opportunity to invest in SpaceX at one point through one of these funds. And it was a 6% commission. It was a 2% management fee every year. And it was 20% carried interest at the end. Which means, and, and I just looked at that and said, well, I could buy Tesla stock, pay essentially zero commission, no management fee, and no carried interest. And I think Tesla could grow just as much from 600 billion yeah. as SpaceX can grow from 100 billion. I think they could both 50x from where they are, right? Maybe 100x from where they are. On a good day, I'll, I'll say SpaceX can grow even more. I'll say Tesla can grow even more than that. I think Tesla has a huge room to grow. Mm. So, so as a, because venture capital investing has such high expenses, it's not attractive to me to jump into SpaceX when I could just buy Tesla stock. I mean, it's attractive to me if the right opportunity was there and the expenses weren't quite so, like if, if you got rid of the 6% commission, maybe I would do it. Yeah. So then, then I look at Neuralink and the Boring Company, which are the two companies on this, by the way, I mentioned Mars, Mars Landing. This is one of the t-shirts on elonbits.com. I'll pump my t-shirts. Yeah, of course. Um, so- the two companies I'm most excited about for what Elon Musk is doing are, Star, are space, uh, SpaceX and Neuralink. SpaceX expands humanity into space and Star, uh, Neuralink expands human consciousness. Uh, really, really amazing what, what they're doing. Like Tesla and Boring Company are great, but they really just help us get around this rock better. Yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It's a meaningful, I'm not saying it's nothing. I'm just saying it's not the same level of amazing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I'm excited about it, but it's not the same level of impact on the yeah, future absolutely. of humanity. That's my opinion. You can disagree with me on it, but you know, compared to starting a Mars colony, compared to <laughs> uploading our minds into the cloud yeah, or, or keeping up with the AGI, you know, I think I think those are bigger. That'll be so, crazy. Like. So when you look at Boring Company and Neuralink, um, Neuralink to me, it's probably not going to raise money for a while. Here's the, here's the thing. They're, in, they're starting human trials, hopefully this year. It's probably going to be a couple of years before they even get out of human trials. And then when they start doing it at some larger scale, they're probably going to do it locally wherever they're operating. Right now, they're in San Francisco. I think they're going to move to Austin, Texas. 
maybe they'll be in both places, but they're not going to build a hundred machines. They're not going to build a thousand machines yet. Right now, they're just going to have one or two or three, three or four machines. They're going to work with a fairly small number of patients, try to get it right. And I think that's going to take three to five years or longer before by, they're by machines. That? Do you mean that the, the chips or do you mean the surgery the actual, machine, the, surgery the machine, machine yeah. the machine that does it? Well, I mean the chips too, but the machine that, that I guess, you know, scaling up production of the chips to put like, you know, the, for those who don't know, Neuralink is a brain implant and it's basically like a, they cut out a circle of your skull. They put this chip in there that seal it up. It basically like, it's like it's a piece of your skull again. And they, insert uh, little threads into your brain very carefully with the surgical robot that makes sure it doesn't hit any blood vessels. And it's able to read signals from your brain and send signals into your brain. And primary purpose right now is to cure brain diseases, you know, help the paralyzed walk, help the blind see, help the deaf hear, um, eventually maybe cure diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, and then maybe beyond that, do, do even more. So the problem is I just don't think Neuralink is going to be ready to scale in terms of production of the device that goes in your head or production of the robot that inserts it in your head. I think that's probably more than five years, five years off before they start to scale that. You know, we talk about Tesla and we talk about the machine that builds the machine. All of Elon's companies yeah. are effectively lead to the machine that builds the machine. So right now they've got a machine that builds the machine in, in Boca Chica, Texas, building starships. And they've got a factory building uh, rocket engines and they got a factory building Starlinks. And each one of those things is a machine building a machine. So at some point with Neuralink, you get to the machine that builds the chips that go in the brain. You get to the machine that builds the machine that inserts it into your brain, all that. So I just don't think they're ready to scale yet. And they're not going to really do a significant amount of fundraising until they're ready to scale and produce a large volume of these things. And they, you know, they have to, and when you expand, then you have to train staff. You're going to have to train a bunch of neurosurgeons to supervise the procedures, all this. It's going to take a while. Yeah. So then you turn to the boring company. The boring company is um, basically a tunneling company. They, they make tunnel boring machines and they do tunneling projects that may, primary goal is to eliminate, to end soul crushing traffic. If you have a traffic problem in your city, bore a tunnel underneath your city and create lanes of traffic that didn't exist before. And you can go however many levels deep you want. You can go all, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to make our lives better. Plus you don't have any pedestrians getting hit by cars, no car crashes when you have a tunnel system that prevents them. So a lot of advantages to that. Yeah. So I want to contra contrast <clears throat> the boring company from Neuralink in this sense. We don't know if a brain implant's going to work. We have a pretty good idea they'll be able to do something with it because there have been brain implants before that have done something like the Boston Ray. But we don't know how well it's going to work. We don't know how much it's going to be able to accomplish. We know tunnels work. Yeah. We have tunnels That's already. Fair, fair point, yeah. This is just a more efficient way of doing tunnels. You know, Miami was looking at a billion-dollar project to do tunnels, and Elon heard about it. He says, I can do that for $30 million. <laughs> If you can deliver the same thing for 30 million that somebody else was ready to pay, that somebody was ready to pay a billion dollars for, you got a lot of business there. So let's talk about <clears throat> boring company and Neuralink in terms of potential for growth. So we'll start with Neuralink as I was talking about Neuralink before. Imagine if you were able to do this procedure where you put this implant in people's brains and you know, in, in the skull, you put it in the skull, it goes in the brain, and you could cure 10 million patients a year of brain disease, and you charge ten thousand dollars a piece right? Mm. 10 million times 10,000 is $100 billion a year in revenue. That's pretty good. Now, yeah. I think 
the real market for, for Neuralink is 100 million patients a year. And it goes beyond that because, you know, it basically becomes like our phone. Yeah. And every yeah. three years, they come up with a newer chip that performs better. And, and you upgrade every two or three years, you upgrade. You know, the <laughs> revenue stream is just absolutely insane. Because yeah. you, you got 100 million new people signing up and then the other people start re-upping after three years. So, yeah, you know, some people are cheapskates and they wait five years. But, you know, once you hear your friend got the newest Neuralink, <laughs> you know, people fall all over. They wait in line to get 1500 bucks for an iPhone. This thing is going to be like iPhone on steroids times a thousand in terms of what it's going to enable you to do. It'll be crazy. So, yeah, It'll completely so, change humanity. Like. So I really think that it's going to be trillions of dollars in revenue, um, very high profits. Um, who knows what you're, I mean, for all we know, they're going to be able to run ads on the Neuralink, <laughs> right? They're going to be able Jesus. to sell you some, I mean, who knows what they're going to do? There's tremendous potential for this. It's like, yeah. it's, it's really like it starts to get really science fiction crazy really quick. Like, what if you yeah. could upload your, your consciousness to the cloud, put it put it in a robot and send it to the nearest star? It takes 100 years to get there, but you're now, your consciousness wakes up in the next star system. Yeah. That's how crazy it can get. And that's probably just the beginning. What if it, yeah. what if it uploads your consciousness and puts your consciousness in 10 robots or 1,000 robots? You can go nuts with this stuff, right? So... So that, so I think there's a lot of potential for you know, leaving aside the insanity of how amazing that would be from a con, you know, expanding human consciousness standpoint. Um, just the idea of the revenue model is pretty big. That's, that's like a really, really big growth story. A lot of money talk, talking about a company that currently has one robot and a small number of chips and a few people working in San Francisco to something that basically takes over the world and provides, you know, basically replaces the iPhone yeah. with 10 times better with a hundred times the, the profit. So now let's look at the boring company. Currently, the boring company is primarily composed of a one mile tunnel system in Las Vegas, Nevada. There are about a thousand cities the size of Las Vegas around the world. Each one of those cities could have 100 miles of tunnels easily. Well, that's 100,000 miles of tunnels up from one mile of tunnel. So from where boring company is now, you could see 100,000 X growth. Just this is yeah. where they are. This is where they could go. Um, at some point, they need to build the machine that builds the tunnel boring machine. That's when they're going to need to raise money. Um, I think that there's a lot of potential to get in on that company. And that's just the tunnels under cities. What about tunnels between cities? And then I don't know if you've heard my big idea. My big idea is boring the Bering Strait. I call it boring Bering. The Bering Strait, for those who don't know, is a, a small straight, a small uh, patch of water between Russia and Alaska. And there's a there's actually a, uh, some islands in between that you could go through. And I believe you could do a boring tunnel up the west coast of North America, th through Alaska, through the Bering Strait, down through Russia, down to China and Southeast Asia. Los Angeles to Shanghai. And it's a straight line. It sounds like you're going way out of your way. Look at it on a globe. It's a straight line. It's about 6,000 miles from Los Angeles to Shanghai. So you do four tunnels. Um, two tunnels for cargo uh, containers, for shipping containers, two tunnels for Hyperloop. <clears throat> you just replaced all shipping across the Pacific Ocean and you just replaced all air travel across the Pacific Ocean. Cost of building the network of tunnels would be about $80 billion. Jesus. Yeah. And, and you've just eliminated a massive amount of pollution 
from these awful ships spewing, using bunker fuel, spewing particulate emissions and all these terrible emissions out over the ocean. You landed all the emissions from airplanes flying, you know, letting their emissions high up, which is actually in some ways worse. Um, it's safer. It's, it's not dependent on weather. Uh, it's faster. You know, the Hyperloop is hyper, as you know, faster than the speed of sound. The, the shipping containers are going 150 miles an hour where uh, ships go, you know, 10 miles an hour, 15 miles an hour. So it's 10 times as fast. Um, it's a straight line, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so it's, and then, you know, you could have a spur running across the Arctic circle to Northern Europe. When you get, when you get through the Bering Strait, you could have um, a spur in the United States going over to the East coast. Um, so you could basically cover almost the entire world with this simple tunnel system. And, you know, how much money would that generate for the company that owns the tunnels? Yeah. You know, yeah, you charge to use and, the tunnel. And there's sort of two things. There's how much money would it save? You know, I talked about like Neuralink and Boring Company in terms of how much money they would make, but let's not forget how amazing would it be to cure brain diseases? Yeah. How amazing would it be to radically improve shipping and transportation between Asia and North America and Europe? And how amazing would it be to eliminate all that pollution? Um, tremendous, tremendous benefit to society, tremendous benefit to the company that owns it, tremendous benefit to the companies that need the services. If you're going to fly from Los Angeles to Shanghai now, and it's going to be a 12 hour flight or a 15 hour flight, and now it's a five hour hyperloop ride. And it costs yeah. you one tenth. It costs you one tenth as much, and you don't have to worry about weather and smooth have you, ride. Have you seen that? I remember Ark Invest. Uh, they they shared their research about SpaceX, and one of their moonshots or ideas was that SpaceX would do long long distance flights, like kind of like more expensive flights than a, a normal flight, but essentially taking a rocket off a uh, out Earth. Starship Earth Earth. Gwyn, Gwyn yeah. shot with. If you go on uh, YouTube and you look up Gwyn Shotwell TED, she did a. Uh, she was interviewed in a TED talk where she explained the Earth to Earth concept. Yeah. Um, yeah. You 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 have a rocket, a starship, uh, you know, off the coast of Los Angeles, and it flies off the coast of Shanghai, and it does the trip in thirty minutes. Yeah. Then you take a you take a loop or a hyperloop there. It's a you know thirty minute ride out to the ship to the spaceship and then you know there's going to be some travel time to this to the starship and from the starship it's not going to be that simple but mm. i think you know i'm not sure it's going to be that much faster than the hyperloop i think it depends yeah. how far you're yeah. going like if you're going to australia that's a much bigger distance um i think there are certain trips where it's going to really serve a big deal i'm not convinced of the economics of that yeah you know i think it depends on how you do it i think if you did one spaceport that was serving multiple large cities like Shanghai, Beijing, and Seoul, and Tokyo, right? If you were able to have one spaceport that served all those major cities, you know, maybe you have two. You have two spaceports in the on the off the Pacific coast of Asia, two spaceports off the Pacific coast of North America. Same thing, you know, East coast of North America, West coast of Europe, <clears throat> a couple other spaceports somewhere, and you just have regular flights. But you each spaceport serves like ten major cities. And each major city has a hyperloop tunnel that takes you to the spaceport. Maybe it makes sense. I, th yeah. I think it's a, it's, I think it's a real challenge to make the economics of that work. It does not a challenge to make the economics of the hyperloop tunnel work. Yeah. Much easier. That, that, that's pretty easy. Yeah. So I, I don't, but I don't think that's just Ark invest. That's uh, that's straight yeah, out of right. shot. Well, and Elon Musk okay. has talked about, it. I think Elon Musk presented it too. 
Right. All right. So maybe we'll... I, think, I hope that answers your question about the boring company and Neuralink. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm fascinated by Neuralink, like the idea that me and you could communicate. Uh, and the whole idea of you know, Musk, I remember him talking about uh, communicating using our thumbs takes so long, communicating by typing takes so long. But if we could just yeah. directly communicate, even talking takes too long. But if we can directly communicate our thoughts, I think that's crazy, to be honest. But, yeah, uh, I think I think it's actually less about humans communicating with humans yeah, as it is yeah. about humans communicating with artificial intelligence. Um, that artificial intelligence is going to be communicating at such a high rate that you know far faster than you and I would communicate with each other. Um, and you know, it's almost like like there's this interesting question if we had towards the you know the artificial intelligence singularity where the art where AI gets smarter than human, and we don't know how far we are from that. There's this moment when it's like it's as smart as a dog and then it's as smart as a monkey. And a couple of weeks later, it's just short of as smart as a human. And two weeks after that, it's smarter than human. It's not long after. And, you know, you think about how we look at monkeys and then we look at dogs and then we look at ants. Right. Yeah. It's going to be a fairly short time from the moment it looks at us like a monkey to when it looks at us like an ant to when it doesn't even notice us. And like its speed of communication, like versus ours, for that for AI, like talking to us can be like talking to a tree, <laughs> right? I mean, we just yeah. you know we're so mm. slow, mm. so you know you can think about those things and it gets really crazy. And I I think that my favorite thought about that is when AI starts to approach better, you know, smarter than human, we want to really make sure that it doesn't think of us as it's called threat versus pet. We want it to think of us as a pet rather than as a threat. If it thinks of it as a threat, it's going to kill us. We're screwed. If it yeah. thinks of it as a pet, maybe it'll take us along for the ride. And we'll have a fun ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'll be a crazy future anyway. Um, so maybe we'll shift gears and maybe talk about a bit about Tesla. Um, Love it. Yeah, Love so it. maybe if you wouldn't mind laying out those little, those little investment thesis or those projections that you like to sure. do for Tesla, the another robot taxi revenue model and the battery revenue model. I, just, I think, just, yeah. Just be clear, the robot taxi model is a profit model. The battery yeah. model is, is for now a revenue model. I'm working on a margin or profit version of the battery model, which keeps getting delayed by other things. Like Andre Karpathy just gave a, just did a podcast that I just listened to and I'm, I'm going to make a video about Andre Karpathy's podcast about full self-driving. But yeah, really simple robo taxi profit model. Elon Musk at Autonomy Day in 2019 said that Tesla would have a fleet of 10 million of its own robo taxis. He said that a robo taxi would make $30,000 a year in profit. I think he was talking about if the average Tesla owner owns a robo taxi and sends it out part of the day to make money. I don't think he was talking about the Tesla owned robo taxi when he said $30,000 in profit. I think the profit once you saturate the market with robo-taxis, this number comes down. But in the early days of robo-taxi, I think each robo-taxi easily makes $50,000 a year in profit. Easily, easily. I was just, like, I base my numbers on a, on a dollar a mile in revenue. A dollar a mile when it's occupied. Keep in mind, some of the time it's driving, yeah. it's not occupied. But I was just in New York City, and I was paying like $5 a mile for Lyft. Yeah. So if Tesla charged $3 a mile, then my profit numbers are like triple what I'm about to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So 
just on a dollar a mile. So let me let me break this down. Assuming it, it charges a dollar a mile for traveled mile, and assuming that the 2023 Tesla Compact, the vehicle they hinted at at Battery Day, I believe that its cost per traveled mile, occupied or unoccupied, both together, is going to be around 10 cents a mile or less. So assuming it's, and and Elon had said, and there's a, a company called Tesla that said that the Model 3's cost of operating cost was around 18 cents a mile. So I actually think the compact is going to be around five cents a mile, maybe seven. I was working the numbers, maybe it's seven cents a mile when it's occupied. So figure they have some reasonable optimization on their software and it's 10 cents a mile when it has a passenger. You with me so far? Yeah. And you charge a dollar a mile to that passenger and you carry. Um, so a dollar a mile minus 10 cents, minus 20 cents, a, minus 10 cents a mile is 90 cents a mile in profit. So if the vehicle drives 100,000 miles a year total and 60% of the miles are occupied, you've got 60,000 miles times 90 cents a mile is $54,000 in gross profit. Now, again, I think in the early days, it's going to be $2 a mile, $3 a mile. And the profit's going to be double what I just said or triple what I just said. But let's would go you, with 50. Let's go with 50. You, go ahead. Would you, I feel like Elon often kind of tries to make everything really, really cheap for the consumer. Like he's always dropping the price of the model trees and stuff. Would you, would you still think you'd be trying to make as much profit as possible or would we not just not, focus on? It's not about profit. Yeah. If you, if you lower the price before you have enough robo taxis, then there will be too much demand and people will have to wait too long for a ride. You can't lower the price until you have enough robo taxis so that people don't feel stupid waiting for a yeah. ride. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so sense. That, that's that's the problem. Now, I think you could have a dynamic pricing system like Uber and Lyft do, where the ride depends on how much demand there is at the moment. Yeah, the price there could be some variability, but ultimately, the average price is probably going to be two to three dollars a mile initially, just because demand is going to be so high and supply is going to be so low. Uh, they just it's going to take them a while to spool up to have enough robo taxis to to meet yeah. the demand. So yeah, yeah I think sense. yeah, I think when you get down the road, we'll, we'll get we'll cover it down the road in a minute. Sure. But just for now, $50,000. And, and keep in mind, what I'm saying is $50,000 a year in profit is when they're charging less than they probably will at the beginning. Because yeah. at the beginning, okay. it's going to be 2 or $3 a mile. So dollar a mile, is you're going to need a lot of robo-taxis to satisfy demand at a dollar a mile, right? You're going to mm-hmm. need a lot a lot of robo-taxis. It's going to take them a long time to make that. $10 million isn't going to be enough to satisfy demand at a, million, at a, at a dollar a mile. So worldwide, we're talking. 10 million is not that many. So $50,000 a robo taxi per year times a million ro- times 10 million robo taxis is $500 billion in profit. $500 billion in profit a year. Yeah. So crazy. with a price earnings ratio of 30, which is awfully low for a company growing this fast, that would be $15 trillion market cap. Again, you got to take something off because I'm using gross profit, not net profit. It's not, you know, there's there's earnings before interest taxes, whatever. You can get into the MBA calculations and say, well, it's going to be less than that. But just as a rough cut, it's $15 trillion in market cap at a $15,000 share price. And that's with only 10 million robo taxis. And that's excluding selling cars. And that's excluding Tesla energy. And that's excluding Dojo as a service and all kinds of other ways that Tesla might be making money. Now, I think it's very possible that Tesla goes to a fleet of 20 million robo-taxis and is still able to charge $2 a mile. And you just 4X'd my number and you've got a $60 trillion market cap, not before you get to 
vehicle sales, energy, and everything else they could be make, make money on. I mean, you could even say, what if they sold, what if they had vending in the cars? What if they sold us, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. sodas and coffee and snacks in the car and you made an extra couple of bucks around, you know, the average ride, you made an extra dollar. Okay. There's like some charge them to watch Netflix or something. What if you had advertising in the car? Yeah. Yeah. There's all kinds of crazy possibilities. Um, I, so, so that's the, that's the robo taxi profit model. The battery revenue model is different. It's a totally, it's like, let's assume mm. there's no robo taxi. Yeah. Cause there's so many people like robo taxi is never going to happen. It's going to take forever. It's too hard, which <laughs> is totally ridiculous. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but they're landing orbital rocket boosters and people said you couldn't do that. So if they can land orbital rocket boosters, maybe they can manage to drive a car. Just say it. <laughs> if you don't realize how hard it, and people are like, well, that's not as hard as driving a car. You know, do you know what's involved? <laughs> and just getting a rocket up is yeah. hard. Just yeah. getting it to go up and not blow up on the way and then get it to actually deliver something into orbit in the precise spot you want it. That's really, really hard. Yeah. And then to have the thing come back down and land. My God, that's amazing. I, December, December 21, to Google Falcon 9 first landing. I go on mm. YouTube rather and, and search for Falcon 9 first landing. There's a video. I've watched it over 100 times. I cry every time. It is one of the most important moments in human history because of what it means for us being able to get off this rock. Not saying yeah. we should get off this rock. I'm saying it's a good idea for us to go explore space. It's inspirational. Yeah. <clears throat> it can be a backup plan. There's all kinds of advantages to it. It's amazing. Lowers the cost of launching these orbit. Just absolutely stunning. So if they can do that, then I think they can manage to drive a car. But let's say you're right. No, Warren, it's impossible. You're not going to be able to drive a car. <clears throat> the computer won't be able to do that. Okay, let's just talk about the battery revenue model. So on battery day, Elon Musk and Drew Baglino and the Tesla team said, we're going to make 100 gigawatt hours of batteries in 2022. And we're going to make three terawatt hours of batteries in 2030. Elon said, this is supplemental to batteries supplied by our suppliers, by our partners. LG Chem is a Korean company that makes batteries. Panasonic is a Japanese company that has been making batteries for Tesla for longer than anybody else. LG Chem makes batteries for Tesla. And CATL, a Chinese company, also known as Cattle, they, they're a Chinese company. They make batteries for Tesla in China. So, and, Pete, and I, my view is when they said we're going to make 100 gigawatt hours, which they reaffirmed at the Q4 investor call and said they're going to have 200 gigawatt hours of capacity in 2022, they're going to produce 100 gigawatt hours. And I've, I've heard they're ahead of schedule on this, by the way. I've heard they're actually ahead of schedule on their battery production. I've had a couple sources say that. Drew Baglino kind of said that at, at Q4 Investor Call too. So I've got three sources. So I think that the suppliers are actually going to supply them more batteries than Tesla is going to make. CATL has said they're going to be making 1.2 terawatt hours of lithium iron phosphate batteries in 2025. Okay, so they're, they have a very aggressive Jeez. plan. LG Chem and Panasonic are both working on making 4680 cells. The the four, The... Sorry. This is the this is a model of a 4680 cell. It is 80 millimeters or eight centimeters tall and 46 uh, millimeters in diameter. It has this tabless architecture that makes the battery work better. So this is by Fred Jessup. If you search for Fred Jessup on Twitter, you can find him. Thank you, Fred. Um, 
so the Panasonic and LG Chem have announced that they're working on making 4680 cells. Well, who else are they making them for? Yeah. No, nobody else has a plan to use 4680 cells. Yeah. Volkswagen just announced they're going to be making prismatic cells. They're like a, a rectangular box. Lucid Motors is making is using 2170 cells. Who who else is the, if they're making 46 cells, 4680 cells, they're only making them for one customer. So let's go to 2022 first. And let's say Tesla is going to make 100 gigawatt hours of batteries. And let's say the suppliers are only going to supply them with 100 gigawatt hours of batteries, which I think is a massive underestimate. I think two, I think 150 to 200 gigawatt hours is likely. But let's just go with a total of 200 gigawatt hours of batteries. Now you got to take a step back and you say, wait a minute. How much money does Tesla make on each battery in terms of revenue? Well, we know the answer to this, sort of. Assume a Tesla Model 3 costs $30,000, that they sell it for $30,000, which is lower than the actual selling price. And assume that it has a 50 kilowatt hour pack, which I think the Chinese LFP, lithium iron phosphate models might have 50 kilowatt hour packs, but in general, the US versions and, and maybe European versions have more than 50 kilowatt hour packs, but we're, we're only pricing it at $30,000 rather than the average price of a Tesla Model 3 is probably closer to 40. So at $30,000 with a 50 kilowatt hour pack, that's $600 a kilowatt hour in revenue. And yeah. I've done this analysis with a bunch of different Tesla products. And with the exception of Megapack, it is roughly accurate or it's more that Tesla makes about $600 a kilowatt hour on, its on the batteries that it either it makes for itself or it uses from suppliers. So if you do 200 gigawatt hours of batteries at $600 a kilowatt hour, that's $120 billion of revenue. By comparison, 2022, Tesla did about $30 billion of revenue. So in two years, that would be a 4x increase in Tesla's yeah. revenue. Yeah. I don't think these numbers are crazy. Mm. And a 4x increase in revenue is more than a 50%. People are saying, well, Tesla's going to grow 50% a year. Well, 50% a year would get you to $120 <laughs> billion. Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm not that's sure. That's like 100% a year. Yeah, I'm not sure if you saw uh, Elon had a call to all his all his staff. And you, you know the way he kind of, he leaks stuff uh, online like, like like that way. But yes. there was a tweet that he deleted. Uh, what did it say? He in a said, few months. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be the biggest company in the world in a few months. Exactly. No, and, here, this is, what this just, I think I know where you're going with this. Sorry, yeah. sorry go ahead. I don't want to cut you off. Uh, no, well, basically, it was like uh, we're pushing for one million vehicles, which would be a one hundred percent increase uh, in twenty twenty one. A one hundred percent increase of vehicle number sold in twenty twenty one. You think he estimate, said that? You think he said a million? Um, I, I I think I saw that on tw on Twitter. Yeah, I haven't heard that he said a million. I don't I don't think that's what it's about. Okay. I don't think it's about a million cars in 2021 because the number of cars in 2021 isn't that important. The number of cars in 2022 is more important. But I'll say it this way. I just asked this question on Twitter earlier today. Suppose what happens to Tesla's share price after the first robo-taxi ride? Yeah. Right? I mean, it's not going to be the same day because Wall Street is so thick in the head they're not going to get it. But the as soon as the first robo taxi ride happens, the game changes because no one on Wall Street is valuing Tesla based on robo taxi rides. Yeah. Once you realize they've delivered robo taxi, then you have to start thinking about okay, wait, what does it cost them per mile to deliver a robo taxi ride, and what prop, what revenue are they going to get, and then what profit is that? 
And you heard my numbers. It's $50,000 a year per vehicle for a Tesla-owned robo-taxi. You know, so it doesn't take them that long to make 10 million robo-taxis and get to my $15 trillion or 20 or 50 or $60 trillion. You know, 20 million robo-taxis, you could do that at the pace they're going. They could probably do that by 2025. If they said, you know, this is one of the theories. This is one of the things I get in arguments with people about. People hate when I say this. What if Tesla stopped selling cars? What yeah, if they took exactly. every robo taxi they made and put it in the robo taxi fleet and each, because here's the deal. If Tesla sells you a robo taxi for $50,000, then Tesla makes 50, even if they charge you $100,000, then they make $100,000 in revenue. It costs them 20, they make $80,000 in profit. If Tesla keeps the robo taxi and they run it as a robo taxi, they make $50,000 a year for 10 years. They make $500,000. Why on earth? Would you sell something that's going to make you five hundred thousand dollars in profit for only eighty thousand dollars in profit? Yeah. Right. So I I believe that the smart play for Tesla is the minute that they have a robo taxi network up and running, they stop selling cars, and they put every car into the robo taxi network as fast as possible, because the revenue from the revenue and profit from robo taxi is so outstrips. And then two things: number one, the profit story, you make a lot more money. Number two, what's Tesla's mission? Tesla's mission is to accelerate the transition to sustainable energy. If Tesla sells you a car or sells me a car and we drive it two hours a day and we keep it in our garage the rest of the day, which most people will do, then we're replacing one internal combustion engine vehicle. If they sell it to you and you run it, you drive it two hours a day and you let it run as a robo taxi four hours a day, then you replace three internal combustion engine vehicles. If Tesla keeps it and runs it 18 hours a day, they replace nine internal combustion engine vehicles. If you want to accelerate the transition to sustainable energy, if you want to get these nasty, smelly internal combustion engine cars off the road, then robo-taxi, Tesla-owned robo-taxi is the fastest way to do it. Would, uh, why would, uh, say I owned a, a Model 3 or whatever, and I let it go as a robo-taxi, why would I only let it go for four, four hours in the day? Why wouldn't I let I'm it saying- go... I'm saying that the average owner wouldn't let it. The average owner wouldn't let it ride that much. You Why might let you it go. Think? You might let it go ten hours a day, but a lot. I, I hear people on Twitter all the time. I'm not letting somebody else ride my car. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. I don't understand what kind of fool doesn't want to make thirty thousand dollars a year in profit yeah. for yeah. ten years for a car they paid thirty thousand dollars for or forty thousand dollars for. Like, what planet are you on? Of course, you're going to run it as a robo taxi. But I've had a lot of people say, "I'm not letting other people mess up my car." Okay. Yeah. Yeah, see, like I, I ordered, I have two cyber trucks on order, and they're both going out in the robo taxi network, my friend. I'm yeah, gonna take like, that money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that. That could be an amazing business for anyone. Just buy, get a big loan for the bank, buy a load of Teslas, and let them let them earn I talk, money. I talked to a guy who ordered 130 cyber trucks. Jesus, thirteen thousand uh, dollars. Was that that's a uh, hundred dollars a piece? So he invested thirteen thousand dollars in cyber truck orders. They're all refundable, right? Yeah. Um, Why not? But you know, if you had a fleet of 130 cyber trucks, send them out, and cyber trucks are going to get higher a higher rate per mile. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're going to be able to do towing. There's, the robo, the world of the, the robo taxi world is going to be really interesting. Yeah. When, you, when I get one of these days, I'm going to make a video about that. But so, so that's the the battery. So, sorry, let's go forward with the battery yeah, revenue yeah. model because we we kind of diverted that that we're talking about what yeah, Elon yeah. said. The battery revenue model, 2022, assuming no. No FSD revenue, no robo taxi revenue. You get to $120 billion in revenue. You 4X revenue. You do the numbers. You, you've got 
now you've got an incredibly fast growing company. The valuation has got to be over $2,500 a share or more just on that alone. But now you could add in 20% take rate on FSD and FSD is going for $10,000 or $20,000. And you could add in, maybe they're actually getting some robo taxi revenue. Don't forget Tesla. You know, there's, there's a lot of potential for more revenue there. Yeah. So maybe it's 150 billion in revenue, not 120 billion in revenue. And the rate growth is actually more than 4X. It's like a 5X in, in two years. But go out to 2030. This is where it gets fun. Yeah. <laughs> As if it wasn't fun already. Yeah. So Tesla produces three terawatt hours of its high nickel 4680 cells. And it buys another three terawatt hours from CATL and LG Chem and uh, Panasonic. So it's got six terawatt hours of batteries to work with. Let's say the price, the revenue per kilowatt hour drops from $600 a kilowatt hour down to $500 a kilowatt hour, which it's a ballpark. It's right. Maybe it's 400, but let's call it 500. It's $3 trillion in revenue. Okay, this is assuming we're not making money from FSD. We're not making money from RoboTaxi. This is just the, the garden variety revenue they're earning now. It's $3 trillion in revenue. If you give them a price to sales ratio like Apple of eight, right? That's yeah. a $24 trillion dollar market cap. Yeah. Okay. That's without the RoboTaxi network that we talked before could be making you $50 trillion, have a $50 trillion dollar market cap. So those are two, I mean, and you can play that a lot of different ways. Uh, but those are two basic concepts. There's all there's all kinds of other revenue potential out there. Dojo as a service is Tesla making additional money from energy using auto bidder, you know, stabilizing the grid. Are, the, are they owning their own? If they're going to own their own robo taxis, maybe they own their own grid storage. Maybe they own their own solar farms. <clears throat> there's a lot of potential for Tesla to do things like that. Anyway, yeah. those are the two basic models. Third model I'm going to work on is, is the third model I'm going to work on is taking the battery model and going a step further from revenue to profit so we can talk about price earnings ratios instead of price to sales ratio. So that's it. What do you think? Yeah, I think that would be great. <laughs> yeah, I think RoboTaxi is definitely... And let me, let me take a step back. If you believe that I'm crazy and that Tesla couldn't possibly be worth more than $10 trillion in 2030, because my numbers take it up 25, yeah. you know, 15 yeah. trillion, 25 trillion, 50 trillion, you know, share prices, 15,000, 25,000, $50,000. And yeah, you can get crazy and I can, I can wind my numbers up a little bit and you can get to a hundred thousand dollars to $200,000 a share if you really get into it. But if you look at these numbers and you say, Warren's crazy, let's limit it to $10 trillion in 2030. <laughs> That's $10,000. So here's my question for you. If you could buy a stock today that would be worth $10,000 in 2030, nine years from now, how much would you pay for that stock? I'm going to bet it's a lot more than $600 a share. Yeah. Right. I, you know, I think you're probably talking $2,500 to $5,000 a share for a stock that's going to be worth $10,000 nine years from now. Depends on your discount rate, whatever. Certainly more than $2,500 a share. So right now you can buy a share of Tesla stock. I didn't see what it closed at today. Is it closed yet? Yeah, it's closed. I think it was the low 605, 600, roughly. Right. It was down a little bit. 620. 620. Six, oh, it, bounced, it bounced back up to 618. I do, by the way, I do not worry about the daily share price. Yeah, I, I don't. Me neither. The only thing is if it dips low enough, then I, I go check to see if I have any cash to buy more. Yeah. But I don't, I, I don't sell. I don't lose sleep over it. 
uh, uh, I heard Russ Gerber from uh, Gerber Kawasaki say this uh, a couple a week or two ago. He said, because I own a house like this, you know, you see this room behind me. This is part of a house. My house is probably worth seven, six or seven hundred thousand dollars. I don't check. We have a website in the United States called Zillow. I don't know if you have Zillow where you are. No. And Zillow, you can yeah. see what you can see an estimate of what your home is worth. I don't go on Zillow every day to see what my home is worth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Because I'm not selling my house today. <laughs> I'm not selling my house this year, next year, whatever. I, I don't am, get why people are scared of volatility. It right. doesn't make any sense to me. Right. So if I was thinking I was going to sell my Tesla stock in the next week or two, then I would be concerned about what the price is today. But yeah. if I'm not planning to sell till after 2030, what do I care? Because I yeah. would much rather, because, you know, I have, <laughs> I have a lot of Tesla stock. <laughs> I don't want to say how much, but I have a lot of Tesla stock. And if it goes from $600 a share now, or $620 a share now, to $10,000 a share in 2030, well, I'm going to have a lot, right? I mean, I've had the same number of shares, but it's going to be worth a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in theory, I could be sitting on my yacht sipping a drink. I'm not a yacht guy. I'm not a private jet guy. I don't know what the heck I'm going to do with all this money when I have it. But, you know, I see a very bright future financially for myself and my family because I've made a big bet on Tesla stock. Can I just take one side point here? I want to mm -hmm. talk about something. I love saying this. My biggest mistake as an investor. In 2013, I bought Amazon stock when it was $260 a share. It is currently worth $3,000 a share. So it's hard. It? It's hard. It's hard. No. Oh, right, right. I thought you said your biggest mistake. It is my biggest mistake. I didn't buy more. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't buy enough. You yeah. Because I, I can tell you around the same time I bought stock in this company, I don't remember exactly when it was. I bought stock in a company called Sea Drill that was for offshore oil drilling. And it was a good dividend play. And like, all right, I, I, I bought, let's say I bought about $5,000 worth of Sea Drill and it plummeted. Like two weeks later, they announced some terrible news and I lost like 95% of the value of the stock. So I lost, let's say $5,000. Well, you'd think that was my biggest mistake. No, by not buying yeah. twice as much Amazon, I lost like $60,000 or $100,000. You know, yeah. I lost a lot more by not, I, I believed in Amazon and I didn't make the full bet. Yeah. So when 2016, when, when they landed the orbital rocket booster, that was like a signal to me. Okay. All these people saying Elon Musk is a fraud. They're obviously wrong. It, you know, that was it. Frauds don't land orbital rocket boosters. They're yeah. comparing with Elizabeth Holmes, the comparative all, you know, the guy from Nicola, whatever you can. <laughs> yeah. No fraud has ever landed an orbital rocket booster. You know what? <laughs> no one else in the world has landed an orbital rocket booster except Elon Musk's SpaceX team. Yeah. So, so that the fraud story just, just vanished. So I started buying Tesla stock and I broke, I had sort of a rule. You don't put more than a certain amount, like 5% of your portfolio in a stock. I kind of broke that rule. <laughs> By a yeah, little I think bit. A lot, of, a lot of people watching this might have done the same. Yeah. No, and I'd like 80%, depending on where the share price is, I'm 80%. When it was up at its peak, it was like 85% in Tesla stock in my in my main portfolio. Yeah. I have other, I have other, like, you know, I own the house too, right? So that's a big asset too. But um, yeah. in the stock there's portfolio, the, there's the theory that I should sell the house, live out of my car, and <laughs> buy, buy more Tesla stock. My wife, <laughs> my wife really doesn't think that's a good idea. Um, so, it is, uh, I just think it's important to see that if you believe in a stock and I, and I actually feel this way, particularly about the boring company, because like I said, Neuralink, you don't know if it's going to work. SpaceX, I'm not sure, you know, I, I believe in SpaceX too, but, but boring company, I don't see how they fail. Yeah, I, I, I know they can risk. fail. I know they can fail, but yeah. we know tunnels work. We know they're delivering tunnels for like one thirtieth of the cost of anyone else. 
we know Elon's a genius. We know he's he's good at building a team. I don't see how it doesn't thousand X from where it is now. And I think a hundred thousand X is from where it is now. And maybe is more. The, is, the, is the technology as advanced as Tesla's technology? Could someone else come, come along, a competitor? Yes, but there's plenty of room in the market. Yeah. If there's going to be a thousand cities with, if, if they only 50, if they only 50,000 X from where they are now, I can live with that. If they only 20,000 <laughs> X from where they are, right? If you're, if, if your theory about, about an investment is, well, some, com, some competitor might come along and take half the market share. It's like, well, I'll take half of a hundred thousand X. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and, and this is the thing, like there's this constant theme from Tesla bashers from the Tesla Q yeah. Fudsters, whatever the people who hate Tesla, you always hear the saying, the competition is coming. Okay. December 21, 2015, SpaceX landed its first orbital rocket booster. They've landed like 70, I think they're getting closing in on 80 landings. They've done it like 80 times, 75. It's more than 75. I think they're approaching 80 times. They've landed one nine times. One of their boosters has flown and landed nine times. Okay. Yeah. No one else has even tried. It's more than five years ago. No one has even tried to land an orbital rocket booster. Not, not, not so much just that they haven't done it. They haven't even tried. Where's the competition? Right? They're yeah. going to be lowering launch cost from $2,000 a kilogram to $10 a kilogram. <laughs> if you wanted to get in on something, I think you could see it right there. It's right there. You should be doing that. Mm. Supposedly, the competition is coming for Tesla. All right, look. Has anyone made... A an EV that's as good as the 2018. First of all, I don't know if anybody's made an EV as good as the 2012 Tesla Model S. Yeah. Okay. But but right now, I think a lot of car companies are trying to make an EV that's as good as the 2018 Model 3. Okay. And they haven't made it yet. The Mustang Mach-E, which is a pretty good, if you ask me, is a pretty good EV, is not as good as a 2018 Model 3, and it costs more than yeah. the 2018 Model 3. Probably so nowhere near as good. Compare the Model 3 long range to the Mustang Mach-E, the one, with, the one that's all-wheel drive with the most range you can get with all-wheel drive, which is around 270 miles of range. So in my mind, nobody has made a cost-competitive, feature-competitive vehicle to compete with the 2018 Model 3. And they're trying, if you look at what, what Volkswagen said at Power Day, if you look at what um, the other companies have said they're going to do, what, what GM has said they're going to do, they're trying to get something that's as good as the 2018 Model 3. They should be saying, well, they just told us at Battery Day what they're going to be doing for 2023. Let's try to do that. Yeah. Right? Let's try to catch up to the 20. Instead of targeting 2018 Model <laughs> 3, you should be saying, by 2024, we want to have a vehicle that's as good as the 2023 Tesla Compact. We're going to, do, we're going to go to this company, IDRA, or some other company that makes casting machines, and we're going to get a 10,000 ton casting machine and we're going to try to cast a one piece casting and we're going to figure out an aluminum alloy and we're going to do 48 volt wiring and we're going to do structural battery pack. And maybe we're going to make a vehicle with no windows, right? We're going to find ways of making a really hyper-efficient vehicle. And nobody's figured out you don't compete with somebody who's innovating by going for what they did before. You compete by going for what they're trying to do. And no one is even close to that. So there's no competition for Tesla. As far as boring company, I don't think their technology is that. In, I think there's some significant innovations. I don't think it's the same as self-driving cars. I don't think it's the same yeah. as the manufacturing technology, at least not yet, as the manufacturing technology that, that Tesla's developed. I do still think much they cheaper. Will, I do think they will. Well, 
you know, one of the keys is just they're doing tunnels that are one quarter of the diameter, which means you have to extract one quarter as much. You have to dig through one quarter as much stuff and you have to extract one quarter as much stuff. So there's a big saving there. They're using batteries instead of diesel so you don't pollute the tunnel. They're trying to tunnel more consistently so they can tunnel 12 hours a day instead of an hour a day. And all these things add up to lower costs and higher speed. So yeah, when they get to the point of building the machine that builds the tunnel boring machine, they'll add some manufacturing know-how in there to make the tunnel boring machine cheaper. All those things are going to come into play. Yeah. So, but right. you know, I don't, I don't think anybody, someone will come along who will make tunnels that'll be copper. It's not hard to say we're going to make a 14 foot diameter tunnel boring machine, right? Somebody could do that, right? Um, we could, we could, we'll make one that's powered by batteries and electric instead of diesel. Anybody could do that. I think there's other things they're doing that are more advanced, but yeah, somebody could catch up if they were motivated, but is anybody motivated? Where are they? <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that annoys me is when people say that Waymo is ahead of Tesla with the full stuff driving, like <laughs> yeah. um, the lighter, the lighter foot. Yeah. Um, well, so that's just really quick on, on that question, because I've seen people say, like Gary Black on Twitter will say, oh, as soon as Tesla has FSD, you know, robo taxis, then someone else will come along and do it too. It's like, okay, <clears throat> let's suppose for the moment, which I don't believe this, that Waymo is going to deliver a self-driving car a couple of years after Tesla. I don't think they're going to be, I think they're much further behind than that. <clears throat> but let's suppose it's true. Well, Waymo's car costs well over $100,000 and it probably lasts 100,000 miles. Well, that's a dollar a mile right there, right? Yeah. Just on the depreciation of the vehicle, forget about the energy consumption of your LiDAR thing that uses a lot more energy than Tesla's full self-driving you know, chips and cameras. You're, you're over a dollar a mile in cost right there. Tesla's delivering it for you know, seven cents a mile. And it can do it anywhere. And Well, no, I'm saying suppose Waymo actually achieves oh, okay, okay, the yeah. holy grail of a full self-driving robo-taxi that can go anywhere. They still have the yeah, cost right, problem. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got to deliver a robo-taxi that only costs 10 cents a mile to operate to be in the game, 20 cents a mile, something. You've got to get the cost down so much that you can still stay in the pricing game. And, and no one's going to be close to that. No one is working on delivering an EV that has a million mile range that costs $20,000 to make um, that you know uses uh, electricity much more efficiently. No one's close. Hmm. So... Right, Ryan, I really want to thank you for coming on. That was amazing. Some amazing insights. Um, if you want to, uh, I'm obviously going to leave all the links to Warren's YouTube channel and his website, Elon Bits. You can get some cool t-shirts there if you're a fan of Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, is there anything you want to close with? Please support, me on, please support me on Patreon. I would appreciate that oh, too. Oh yeah, of course. Um, I guess I would just say, don't sit on the couch. When you see somebody who's criticizing Tesla and you think they're full of it, stand up. If, if it's the media, call and complain. If it's a politician, call and complain. Tell your friends, you know, support, yeah. you know it, there, we have a tendency in the Tesla community to talk to each other. And it's really important that we get out and talk to other people. So I wear my mm -hmm. Tesla t-shirts everywhere. <laughs> you know, when, I, <laughs> when I get my Cybertruck, it's going to be parked in the driveway. Yeah. I'm getting a Tesla solar roof. I, I just had some... I just got an email. I think we're getting closer to my solar roof. It's going to stand out because nobody else in my neighborhood has a black glass roof. And there's going to be a couple of hurdles to get over, but you know, everyone's, everyone's going to see it. 
when the lights, when the power goes out after a hurricane or something, and everybody's going to see my house still has power. Um, they're going to see that cyber truck in the driveway and I'm going to engage people in conversation. I'm going to take people for rides, um, you know, spread the word because yeah. it's not just about making money on your Tesla stock. It's about making the world a better place. It's one of those things where you get to invest in a company that you believe is going to make you a lot of money and you get to invest in a company that you believe is making the world a better place. Exactly. And, and it's really, really important to let other people know because there's so many voices that are so negative about Tesla. I don't know if you saw, I just made a video the other day, um, two American political figures, Bernie Sanders and yeah, a, guy named so Robert a guy named Robert Reich. Just a stream of tweets, Robert Reich in particular, he's tweeted about Elon, it's gotta be like 30 or 40 times. He trashes Jeff Bezos from Amazon too. Never once has he said anything positive about the guy who's delivering electric vehicles, who's lowered launch costs and saved the federal government, the US federal government and other countries' governments a lot of money on launch costs who is cleaning our air, who is working on curing brain diseases, who is working on solving traffic problems, was, you know, all the amazing things that he's doing. And this guy has zero, zero positive things to say about Elon yeah. Musk. And I'll, I'll say this. So I talk, I'm sorry for going on a little bit. No, 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 you go for it. I'm a libertarian. Um, Me too. I, I, I joke that I used to be a libertarian, but I don't believe in that much government anymore. And a lot of people equate... <laughs> A lot of people equate that with being an Ayn Rand fan. Now, I like Ayn Rand's novels, and I encourage people to read her novels with a grain of salt. I think her hero characters are not credible. And Elon Musk is the closest thing on earth to an Ayn Rand hero character, but he has flaws. They're, they, her hero characters have no flaws. It's one of the worst things in her. In my opinion, they have no flaws. I mean, I suppose you could argue they have flaws, but they don't really have flaws. They're superhuman. Um, What's one of the things that's wonderful about Elon is he's human. But what really stands out when you read like Fountainhead, Fountainhead is the most, probably the easiest to read of her novels. Um, there's a character in Fountainhead named Ellsworth Toohey. And Ellsworth Toohey is like a backroom political consultant guy who runs propaganda and, and, and does this like saying negative things about good people. And to me, Robert Reich is Ellsworth Toohey. He's, he's, the, and my point about this is the villain characters and the ordinary characters in Ayn Rand really ring true. Like the hero characters are, not, are hard to believe, but the, the ordinary characters and the villain characters are very, in my experience, yeah. having, having worked uh, in, in the center of state government in New York State, you know, right near the center of state government in New York State, having dealt with a lot of political figures, a lot of people in politics, her characters, the, the negative characters and the, the mediocre characters really ring true. So uh, read Fountainhead. If you like it, read okay. Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Shrugged is such a long book. Oh, my <laughs> God. So to, be patient with Atlas Shrugged. But Fountainhead's a much easier read. Great read. Um, and, and But don't read it. Read good stories, but read it and like look at the villain characters and the, the, the sort of neutral or mediocre characters in the story and notice how true they ring to you because they ring so true to me sorry i was off on a tangent there i don't know where and actually if you ask me to pump things one more thing less yep. relevant in in other countries but i wrote a book called fair dui um it's probably a useful read anyway but it's, it talks about how to deal with if you get pulled over by a police officer in america it talks a lot about how that goes and it's useful to know that okay i'll leave that in the description as well thank you all right. Well, thanks a million, Warren. It was really, really Thank interesting you. to dig into your brain a bit. So thanks again. Great and conversation. Maybe, great.
glad you enjoyed it and i hope everyone enjoyed uh, it as well so i'll end the recording there and thanks again thank you